from the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to you. It is high noon here in the Dripping Springs, Texas. But we're not high. That was 50 years ago. We let that go. But uh, here's our here's our phone number. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Melissa Sell, we're going to talk to her for an hour or so. Great stuff. German and new medicine. It's just really terrific. Uh, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I've had uh, quite a few out-of-body experiences over the last 10 years in my meditations and contemplations. And I can obviously, I can really tell you for sure, not kidding, but for sure, that this soul, spirit, mind, body are one in one thing. We are literally separate, but we are together in when we have a body. And because of that, what we think, what we feel, what we do, when we get freaked out, it goes in the body, and thus we have German new medicine. <laughs> Did I say that okay? Are you on track with that? That's great, yes. It is the impact of our experience and realizing how every part of our organism is designed to survive. And when we have an experience, you know, this is what Dr. Homer discovered, is that when we have a shock, when something catches us off guard, and some of the the characteristics of the shock, you're isolated, you feel all alone, you Mm. feel like suddenly something happened, you're caught on the wrong foot, you weren't prepared for it, and a shock happens. That's what sets off, it kind of presses the button of the biological program. Well, Dr. Melissa Sell, she's a chiropractor, and she practiced German New Medicine a lot, and she's a very busy girl, but she's squeaking us in here. If you'd like to be on the show, 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Her website is drmelissasell.com. Very creative. I like that website. It's a great, it's a great name. So, <laughs> so, like, say a loved one leaves... Um, like in Dr. Hammer's case, I think his son was a, it was a gunshot, an accident, right? Say a loved one leaves. Is it is it the reaction to that? I mean, if we were Gandhi or somebody, we could just say, "Well, there was mom," and okay, and but that's not going to happen, right? And then when we react to it, that's what triggers things. Yes, it's the so it's. It's past our mind, it's how our psyche, so this is like our deep subconscious body wisdom, it responds to an immediate perception. So the Mm. body kind of takes a snapshot of the situation. And so how your body describes, how your body interprets the situation depends on you. Because two people may experience a loss, but they may not experience it in exactly the same way. The loss for one person may represent a loss of financial income. So it could be a a starvation conflict, an existence conflict. How am I going to survive now that, you know, my where I get my money from, my partner. So let's say you're a mom and you know your husband, how am I gonna provide for my children? You may experience the loss in that way. You may experience it as um, a separation, as someone being torn from your breast. And you may respond with the breast duct. You may respond with a self-devaluation. If you experience it as, oh, what could I have done? What's wrong with me that I wasn't able to prevent this from happening? And so how you perceive it really depends on you. And so it's a... It's a whole soul, mind, body a paradigm that is doing the reaction. Even if someone was real strong mentally and emotionally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have some mojo in there, right? It's going to have some kind of an impact. 
And Dr. Hammer actually showed where it has uh, these little circles conceptual on the brain. And he, that's how he got into this, look, figuring this out. Crazy. Yeah, so it started with his own experience of losing his son and developing testicular cancer. And so he, he made that connection. He said, okay, I lost my son. I developed testicular cancer. There has to be a connection. Then he started interviewing other people with with cancer. You know, he was a medical doctor. He worked in oncology. And so he started to see, oh, not just... Um, not just stress and cancer, but very specific types of situations. So a loss conflict for a man causes him to develop testicular cancer. If a person had a death fright conflict, they almost got you know hit by a car, something very shocking, and they thought they were going to die, they developed a lung tumor. Um, a woman with a breast gland tumor, she had a very intense worry. She was very, very worried about a loved one. Hmm. And so he started to see, okay, something's happening in a person's life. Um, and a very specific area of the body is changing. Then he thought to look in the brain because, okay, something's happening in their experience. It's gotta be in the brain, right? The, it has to be in the brain. <laughs> it has to be yeah. in the brain, right? <laughs> yeah, the brain is the master computer, master control, integrating center of the experience. And so he started looking at CT brain scans and he found this. I mean, this is the thing that seals um, this work, Dr. Hammer's work, as a scientific fact that every single time a person had a particular type of disease, something that we used to call a disease, but it's a significant biological spe special program. So you have a tumor, you have yeah, cancer, you have some type of diagnosis, there's always going to be a circle, this impact in the brain that can be seen on CT. And that person always experienced a particular type of conflict shock. And he proved this thousands and thousands of times. He wouldn't write it in his chart. He wouldn't um, put it down if it wasn't a consistent, reliable finding because he was a very scientific person. And so this is, you know, the it's more scientific than anything that exists in the world of conventional medicine or alternative health. Wow. And so that's why, you know, I really encourage your listeners to investigate this for themselves because there's a whole world here. It's not just, oh yeah, I've heard of GNM and the you know emotions affect the body. It's not just that. It's a lot deeper, and that's why I encourage people to really study it for themselves so they can see the depth of this information and how transformative it really is. And isn't it fascinating how, like I've seen in my experiences, where everything that I experience is in my body at that moment. It just is. I've seen it on the inner, and I've been blessed to see it. So I wonder then, um, so a conflict shock of somebody leaving like uh, financial or something, does it, does it, is it determined by how the impact of it on a one to 10 scale or the length of time that they stay in this determines what may develop or what may not develop as far as a disease, disease? Yes. So the intensity and the duration of the conflict determines the intensity and the duration of the restoration phase. Wow. And so this is um, this is the second biological law. And so Dr. Hammer, you know, he, he looked at the human organism and, you know, this actually applies to plants and animals. It's not just humans, um, but obviously this is our own human experience is the best way to, to learn it. And so you can see we have a normal day night rhythm with our, you know, during the day, our body is more sympathetic active. So that's the fight or flight. You're going around, you're hunting and gathering. And then in the evening, your body shifts into uh, parasympathetic. So that rest and digest, and that's our normal day night rhythm. Mm -hmm. When we have a shock 
So when we, the thing happens, the person leaves, you get the text, you get the news, it catches you off guard, boom, that sets off the biological special program. Then the body starts adapting. And so during that first phase, the body is either increasing cells, decreasing cells, or there is a loss of function. Those are like the three options for what, what the tissues do when you're in the conflict. Oh, walk us through why one they would increase and decrease. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, well, yeah, what's the difference there? And so it depends on, and this is actually getting into the third biological law, it depends on the tissue type. And so our bodies, when we were a wee embryo, the body differentiated into different tissue types. And so there's these three different tissue types, functionally four, and they are each controlled from different portions of the brain. And they each developed at a different time in our evolutionary history. And so the oldest tissue type, that's the yellow group, and the yellow is the endoderm, and it's controlled from the brainstem. And so these types of conflicts, like think about the most basic organism that you can think of that simply, you know, it's not worried about its social standing. It's not worried about all it all it does is it eats food, it eliminates food, it breathes and it reproduces. Mm -hmm. That's its only thing that it's up to. Um, so our most ancient tissues. That's what it does. It's about um, processing the morsel. We need the air morsel. We need the food morsel. We want the sound morsel. And so these tissues, during the active conflict, there is tissue proliferation. I need to absorb more nutrients. I need to digest more food. I need to absorb more oxygen. And so the body increases the tissues for the ancient type. And so these ones, again, are the most basic types of conflict shocks, these morsels. I need a morsel that I can't get, a money morsel. I'm feeling too slow, you know, to catch the rabbit, to catch my dinner, to, you know, to get that sale so I can make my money, so I can feed my family. So it's about very basic, um, you know, if you're in a death fright, I'm afraid that I won't have oxygen in my blood in order to survive this, this terrifying thing. So the body builds extra lung cells to absorb more oxygen. And so those are the types of tissues, um, the most basic ones that increase in cells. The next level up from that in the orange group, there's a new and an old. So I said that there's three germ layers, but functionally there's four because there's an old mesoderm and a new mesoderm. The old mesoderm behaves like the, uh, the old brain. So like the endoderm, the old mesoderm also increases in tissue cells during the active conflict. But the example of this is the, it's like the protective organs. This has, Dr. Hammer talks about, so when organisms went from being sea dwelling to being land dwelling, they needed an extra protection, an extra layer. So once you're out of the water, now you know stuff can get on you. You can get dirty, there's radiation from the sun, we need an extra layer of protection. And so that's where the dermis, so the deeper layer of skin, has come in to, um, to protect. We've got the pleura, the pericardium, it's all these like protective thick layers. Also, the breast glands um, belong to this category. And these, again, they increase in tissue cells. So the, the example I love to give of this one is acne or a melanoma. Hmm. So when you're feeling attacked or feeling soiled, the body increases. So it basically creates a little shield between protect. you and the thing you feel attacked by. Yes. Wow. Wow. So, uh, so I guess there must be all different kinds of uh, um, aspects of what we call cancer, right? Must be crazy amounts of different cells and what they're trying to do, 
talk a little bit about that because that's a big one, right? Cancer. Yes. So every, and this is the thing to really wrap your mind around with this work is that, and um, my, one of my mentors, uh, Helmut Pilhar, he has a whole uh, catalog of courses. And in one of the courses, I heard him describe, you know, like, tumors as a gift from nature as certain can these are gifts from nature because every cancer has a biological meaning a biological uh, purpose and so for example like with the breast gland we you know m modern medicine says oh no there's an there's extra cells in the breast this is bad this is wrong the body's doing something wrong dr hammer discovered that the reason that the cells of the breast glands would proliferate would increase to the size of a tumor is because the person is experiencing a worry conflict and so those extra cells are to provide for the person that you are worried about to provide for the so it's just like a spiritual kind of geeky evolutionary thing the body says we need more cells to take care of the person you're worried about that interesting Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or we need the melanoma. We need to build a shield to protect you against this thing you feel attacked by. That's the interesting thing is, hmm. you know, what we say, oh, well, it's from the sun. Often melanoma show up where the sun doesn't shine. It's like, okay, so why, why would why would that be? It's because there was probably um, either a touch, something unwanted, something, you know, where you felt attacked or felt soiled by some type of interaction. And so we, when you look at this biological meaning and this biological purpose, there's there's always a reason. The body doesn't do any anything uselessly. It always has a purpose. It always has a reason. Hmm. It's the idea that the body just can randomly, you know, grow a cancer. This this is going wrong. That's going wrong. Um, that causes a person to live in fear of their body, rather than an understanding of this, you know, this brilliant ancient. Um, software that we have inherited from our ancestors so every ancestor that survived the reason that you're here is because you have millions of years of adaptive wisdom programmed into every tissue hmm. uh, layer of your body and into your brain and this whole thing that's happening is so that you can survive and reproduce the body is programmed with life and it will never operate against itself and so, you know, the idea that your body is attacking itself is blatantly false. And it is, you know, almost designed to get you in fear and looking to outside agents in order to rescue you from your own body, which I think is such a huge disservice to, again, this most brilliant organism, you know, physical um, creation that we are living in. Hmm. So that that's alluding to the idea of this whole autoimmune paradigm that's been thrown out here the last 20 or 30 years right and in your opinion i'm hearing you say that's that's just not true just not true just not true the body and when you think about it why would why would the body evolve in a way where it just starts attacking itself one day that just doesn't make any survival sense at all so what happens if we don't understand and trust god and have fun and peace love and hippie beads and start giving ourselves a hard time really hard and like many many people do that's a trauma too right yes and that would probably fall under you know can depends on how you perceive it but most likely a self-devaluation conflict and self-devaluation conflicts that belongs to the new mesoderm 
And so this is actually a very interesting category um, of biological programs. Um, Dr. Hammer also called this the luxury group. Hmm. And so this layer of tissue has to do with structure and integrity. So when, you know, so we went from, you know, water dwelling to land dwelling. Now we've got this structure and this form, this integrity. And so we have to, you know, feeling good about yourself. When you're beating up on yourself, your body hears it. When you're, by, when you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I need to be better, your body says, okay, let's get better. <laughs> and the way that it does that is by renovating your connective tissues. Um, so during the act of conflict, so this is where it's, it shifts. Remember we said the yellow, we have cell increase. For the old orange, we have cell increase. That's the shield, you know, that's the extra lung cells. Now, when we get into the new mesoderm, we have cell decrease. So when you're in the act of conflict of devaluing, feeling not good enough, what happens is we, we initiate a renovation process. So there's cellular loss during the act of conflict. So you're eroding bones, lymph, wow. muscle, fat. Um, there's loss of that tissue. And it's only when you resolve the conflict and you start feeling better about yourself that's when the body starts then this reconstruction process. And you can think of this kind of like after you break a bone, you know, that it becomes the strongest bone in your body because there's all this reinforcement. That's what's happening um, with this tissue layer. We lose tissue cells during the active conflict. And then afterwards, that structure becomes stronger and better than it was before. So the lymph node gets bigger. The bone gets bigger. The muscle becomes bigger. Huh. And again, it's kind of what you asked for. You said, I need to be better. <laughs> and again, the body's biological answer to that kind of um, esoteric request to be, oh, I just need to be better. It's like, oh, the body has a very practical physical solution for this problem of, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, the body says, okay, well, here, let's have more bone, let's have more structure, let's have, you know, a bigger lymph node so that you're better able to take on your life. And so again, in the luxury group, it's once the conflict is resolved, then you become stronger than you were before. And that's how the, the new mesoderm operates. It's so fascinating how the different layers do different things because of the whole spiritual evolutionary, wow, it's just a trip. It's like, whoa. So the body, Melissa Cell, is always doing what it's supposed to be doing, pretty much, right? We should never ever look at something and say, that's a problem. Yeah, we got to get curious and say, what's the meaning here? The body doesn't do things erroneously, doesn't mm -hmm. do things mistakenly. You know, we can misinterpret. You know, that's where the level um, of, of, if there is a mistake, it's in our interpretation. It's not in what the body's doing. It's in how we're interpreting the symptom, you know, to say, oh, this is something going wrong. Oh, I have a sore throat. Yeah. Oh, I must have come into contact with a germ and that germ got in my throat and that, you know, now it's taking over. No, the body adapted in some to some experience that you had, and now the body is restoring and repairing the tissue that was adapted during the conflict. And so that's why this reframes every symptom. You know, when you have a headache, often people, oh no, what's wrong? Why do I have a headache? Let me take something. Um, they think that something is wrong right now. But the thing is, is when you have symptoms, most of the time, like 80% of the time, when you have symptoms, it's because you actually resolved something. You've resolved it. And now your body is repairing. The body, the body is re repairing. So then is it often painful when the body's repairing and that is what pain is? Because it's growing yeah. new stuff or it's trying to clean things up? 
whatever exactly yep it's it's, when your body Mm -hmm. is in healing it's like a construction site there's a lot of stuff going on and so fluid is in the area fluid means you're stretching tissues stretching tissues Mm -hmm. can create pain you know so that's when we're inflamed that's when we're feverish that's when we're fatigued because if your body has a big construction project going on Hmm. all of its resources are going to you know repairing this tissue area that adapted for your survival during the conflict and so we've got fluid you know you're fatigued you're laying on the couch you're exhausted because all of this work is taking place to set you back to normal to set you back to normal homeostasis so again if tissue was lost during the conflict it needs to be rebuilt if tissue was built during the active process it needs to be decomposed and this is all done in-house which is the coolest thing is that it's all taken care of in-house the body knows exactly what to do when tissues are eroded it knows how to heal it knows how to restore them if tissues were grown this is really cool and this you know just shreds to pieces the germ theory and the idea that germs cause illness Germs, you know, bacteria happen to be present at the site of inflammation. And the reason that they're present at the site of inflammation is because they are seasonal workers and they have a job to do. And so when you have extra tissue cells in these old brain layers, the body comes in and uses the bacteria to decompose them. And this is all controlled from the brain. It's like a switch. The body says, okay, bacteria, come on, do your thing. We need you. And that's why bacteria live latently in our bodies. Like you could swab a hundred people and you know, people would be not expressing symptoms of strep throat. They would not be expressing symptoms of tuberculosis, but they'd have strep bacteria, tubercular bacteria in the dormant stage. That's because they just hang out there. They, they need to be there on standby. Again, seasonal workers, <laughs> they work when they're needed and they're only needed after you have had a conflict, you've grown extra cells and now your body's decomposing. Anytime you have a funky smell on your body, <laughs> whether it's bad breath, gas, you know, like a wound, something, something stinky, it's because those bacteria are at work decomposing tissue that's no longer needed that's what they're doing fungus that's what it does that's what does fungus do in the forest what does bacteria do in the forest it decomposes you know dead and decaying matter and so when we no longer need certain cells they be they're disposable again we need them during the conflict they're there for a purpose they're serving their their function and then they need to be gotten rid of so what happens when the medical model and i know they mean well they just don't understand right they've been taught to, you see a bacteria in the lungs and they call it pneumonia and they give you an antibiotic. What happens to the body then? What, what, what goes on? Well, very interestingly, I used to think that antibiotics actually kill bacteria, but they don't. They actually act on the brain and they shift the brain. So again, when the bacteria are active, it's because you are in vagotonia. You're in this parasympathetic phase and the body is in healing. Hmm. When you take an antibiotic, it's kind of like a mini chemo because chemo does the same thing. It puts the body back into sympathetic activity. And so when the body goes back into sympathetic activity, you stop having the symptoms of the healing phase. So it seems like it cleared up the infection. Oh, I, I was healed. I took my antibiotic for 10 days and I feel great. Okay. 
Yep, and all it did was put your body back into conflict activity for that for that period of time. And so that's where, you know, what we think we're doing when we utilize medicine. Medicine doesn't even know what it's doing. You know, it, it gets certain results. That's why they'll use random drugs. They'll use like a chemo drug for some other random condition because they're like, we don't exactly know how this works, but mm -hmm. it seems to provide some relief from symptoms. And that's really all they're looking for. They don't want to understand the purpose, the meaning, the reason why the body's doing what it's doing all they want to do is minimize symptoms and when that's all you're trying to do you're missing so much of why the body's doing what it's doing in the future when when this knowledge is understood we will just do what we can to support the body you know and there will be medical interventions that are helpful for supporting a body that's been in conflict for a very long time like you said at the beginning how long you're in the conflict and how intense it is determines, you know, whether it's just a few cells or whether it's thousands and thousands of cells that are, you know, adapting and whether it's a huge tumor or something that is, you won't, you won't even, you know, that's the thing is they say that, oh, people all the time, we have cancer all the time. Absolutely. Cause we're constantly adapting to things, but you know, the, the difference between like just a blip on the radar, oh, I was in conflict for one day versus being in conflict for one week versus one month, one year and beyond, you know, it's the length of the conflict that ends up with these, you know, really big diagnoses, these things that they call, you know, um, uncurable, or it's because you were in conflict for a very long time. And if we move away from the medical model to even natural, I, I think there could be an argument to be made. You tell me that even things like hydrogen peroxide or ozone or I don't know, Killing anything, maybe I don't, maybe even anti anti um, parasite. Thing. I don't know. I mean, are we on thin ice when we start doing that? Even natural stuff. Well, it really it depends on why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like for myself personally, I can't say what what's right for anybody right. else because it all depends on your belief system. Why are you doing it? Do you think that it's causing a problem? Right. It's all, I wasn't trying to stop you. I was, I was kind of, I'm Italian, so I do it with my hand. It all depends on your state of consciousness, right? What you believe yes. and think. And go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> she thought yeah, I was so trying to I, stop her. <laughs> Yeah, for myself, I just, I don't see a need to do a parasite cleanse or to, uh -huh. you know, to huff hydrogen peroxide or anything because I don't have, I know that those bacteria are there to help me. And why would I, even parasites, they're there as decomposers to break something down when that breakdown is necessary. And so I personally wouldn't see a reason to, to utilize those things um, because it just doesn't make sense to me. Another person, if they're kind of between paradigms or they kind of think, okay, well, you know, I read this book and it made a lot of sense and it said parasites are the root cause of everything, right, right. you know, so you have to really check in with yourself and figure out why am I doing this? Does this make sense to me? Does this make biological sense kind of in this, if I, if I zoom out and look at ecology and the biology of my body, why would my body be doing this? Does it make sense to come in you know, and destroy something, or is that something serving a purpose? And I guess there's no way of knowing of how much impact just the idea or the thought or the fear of parasites would have effect on those parasites. They could maybe even make them make more parasites, couldn't they, maybe, and get things out of whack, and then you would have to kill them, or I don't know. Well, you know, again, it depends. Like yeah. some some people say, okay, if you've had a conflict for a really long time and it's very intense, it can be helpful to decrease the bacterial load. But again, you, I think that every person has Individual. to. You got to tune in. Why am I doing this? Like, 
you know, the becoming your own doctor is very real. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> me understanding for myself. It's not subjugating my experience and saying, oh, well, this person did this and they got better, so I'm going to do this. You can do that, but you have to realize that your experience is different. The ecology of you, including your your thoughts, your emotions, your past, your assumptions, everything about you, you know, is influencing your um, how you are perceiving and receiving treatments, holistic or otherwise. Feels like we're so incredibly unique, like a snowflake, or right? And wow, billions of souls, you know, just totally, absolutely unique with all of their experiences. But it's so cool because Dr. Hummer, you know, he figured out this these basic things that we all experience. But it's the the flavor and the the uniqueness of how we experience this basic template of the old brain, the middle brain, the new brain. So like the themes of the conflicts remain the same. But for us as individuals, the way that we can perceive is, you know, very multifaceted and it can be you know you can perceive something in many many different ways but it's going to follow along this theme and that's what his you know dr hummer's life work was devoted to is to finding these connections and seeing okay it's always about this it's you know with the bones it's always a self-devaluation it's always a morsel it's always a separation in this certain category so and that's where if a person is is expressing a symptom we know for sure that it they had a certain type of experience based on this model. And when was Dr. Hammer around? What year was he practicing? Well, 1981 was when he submitted his thesis. It was around 1981 uh, wow. when he started putting these biological laws together. I think it was 1987 when he, he finalized like the, the fourth and the fifth law. So it was like a period of time. He passed in 2017. Actually, World GNM Day, I just uh, filmed a, a segment for, uh, there's a group called uh, Global GNM. Um, I have co-founded a group called GHK Global, and I think we talked about the name thing last time, didn't yeah, we? Like Germanisha Heil. It's going to be changing to Germanic healing knowledge, right? Yeah, to get away from like the the medicine and the doctor. And Dr. Hammer was like, you know, he created this new term, this Germanische Heilkunde, which is loosely uh, translated to Germanic healing knowledge, which I prefer because it is. It's this healing knowledge. And it's, you know, the Germanic reference is to the ancient Germanic peoples who lived in harmony with nature and how this wisdom, you know, has been around forever. But we have kind of been brainwashed out of it with modern modern society and the things that have kind of looked at. Let's let's kill the bacteria. Let's override what the body's doing. Let's you know if the fever's up, let's bring it down. That's kind of the allopathic way of reversal, rather than supporting and understanding nature. You know the the attempt to conquer nature is what you know the conventional medicine world is all about. And so really getting away from the word medicine, I think, is a very powerful move but it's been referred to as german new medicine and that's you know what it was when i first you know came across oh, it, is it for but, a while yeah. but you think it's going to change uh, to germanic healing knowledge uh, kind of morph yeah, the into the that. Um, it, it's just a beautiful term but oh on may 17th is dr hammer's birthday oh. um so there's going to be a, a celebration and this group is putting on there's going to be 24 hours of of, of talks on gnm oh. and different people's experiences and so i just i filmed an interview for for that and it will be on may 17th and so i can share the link with you it'll be i think a youtube kind of like marathon of these these talks all day please do and just uh, what is the uh the website for that, uh, the main website for this. I actually am not sure. I think it's globalgnm.com, okay. um, but I, I can send you the link afterwards. And then we'll put it on the show page. 
If you're on hold, please stay there. Uh, we're going to do a quick little break, okay? And then we'll be, be right back with uh, Melissa Cell and German New Medicine or Germanic Healing Knowledge. I'll, I'll figure that out. And uh, if you're on hold, uh, we're going to get to you. Also, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Great stuff, eh? Uh, Elk Velvet Antler is on sale right now. Use promo code STRONG20. And this is pretty cool. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Elkies, they grow these little big antlers. I mean, forever. I mean, they're huge, right? I mean, what's up with that? And they're, they're actually like arms and legs. I mean, they're, they're like arms and legs. And they grow these big, huge antlers, and then they drop them off, and then they do it again. So there's a lot of growth factors in these guys, and they're farm-raised in New Zealand, and they don't put a tourniquet on them or give them drugs or anything. They have them watch the news, and they fall asleep, and then they take, oh, I just made that part, but they just take the, the velvet off the antler and uh, make hell. And so you can get some here. Listen. We're with Daniel Vitalis from Sir Thrival. Is it fair to say, Daniel, that the elk velvet antler could be a pro-euthanine kind of product as well as a kind of a pro-sexual kind of a product? You know, it's a little bit of both and much more than that as well. You know, if you think about the antlers of an elk or a deer or a moose, these are the most rapidly growing mammalian tissues in nature. And they fall off every year and they regenerate the following year. In order to do that, they contain a lot of hormonal substances that cause tissues to grow really rapidly. So it's kind of like putting the youthful vigor of you know your prime back into your bloodstream. At the same time that it's doing that, though, it's nourishing all the joints. It's nourishing all the connective of tissue of the body, keeping it elastic and juicy. So it's kind of like if you could combine a, a nature-based steroid with an ultra-concentrated collagen-enriched bone broth. And if you put those two things together, that'd give you something like what elk antler does, especially in this alcohol extract, which allows you to really absorb all those hormonal substances and all those growth factors that really keep tissues youthful and elastic. This, see, uh, and uh, it, collagen, I didn't even realize about the collagen. So you get cuter too, so that's cool. I mean, hey, what's up with that? And then you have the elk velvet too. If you get cuter, then you could, you know, maybe make babies. He's just follow the bouncing ball. Elk Velvet Antler on sale right now. Use promo code STRONG20. 20% off. It's the biggest sale of the year. 20% off. STRONG20 promo code. And it's on OneRadioNetwork.com. And you have you heard about this technology? This is pretty cool. And if I press the right button, you'll be able to hear it. I'm drinking more water because I really need it. You know, I, I said, oh, I need some more water. I never had that thirst mechanism working as much. Right. Most guy, modern people have lost a lot of the thirst. The thirst mechanism thing. Didn't Batman Gellich talk about that, where you get so dehydrated that your body just gives up? Is it the orb and all the stuff with the hydrogen bubbled water? It's really hydrating ourselves more. I mean, that's that's the way it works. Well, sure. So hydrogen therapy, what it's doing is it's bringing down oxidative stress by combining the hydrogen, molecular hydrogen, combines with free radicals, and what does it do to them? It turns them to water. So that's hydrating, meaning you're taking something that's trying, kind of damaging and turning it to water, which is hydrating. Hmm. You're turning it into water, which hydrates you. Boy, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty brilliant. Indeed. How many people are on our show talking about how important to be hydrated. I mean, and we have it on sale right now. Just interrupt you, Patrick, because you talk too much. You're a talk show guy. It is 
Um, promo code one radio. 20% off. I just lost Melissa's picture. I don't know why. Uh, 20% off. Uh, she, there she is. I almost lost you there. 20% off promo code one radio on one radio network.com. Hydrogen. It is a food. It's not killing anything. Nope. Nope. Not doing anything. Nope. We don't kill stuff. It's a food. The body just gets kind of stronger and, and it works, works things out between you, God, and your liver. So check it out. Promo code one radio. 20, 20% off. Why doesn't this... Oh, I see what I'm doing. I'll get it. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with uh, Melissa Sell, DrMelissaSell.com, and you spend a lot of your time talking with people around the world, right? Helping them figure this all out. Wow. It's pretty cool, and that's that's the thing is... This work, um, you can test it on yourself. And I've seen it time and time and time again, uh, you know, that Dr. Hummer was right (laughs) about everything that he discovered. I have never experienced it be inaccurate. And so um, that's really what I suggest people doing is to just start watching, just start paying attention. When you have a symptom, look at where your mind first goes. It was the food. That's normally one of the first places people- I ate something, yeah, I ate something. What did I eat? What did I eat? You know, and if food has become a problem for you and you react consistently, every time I eat this food, I have this problem, diarrhea, a rash, some type of symptom. It's because it's not the food, it's you. That's my my little <laughs> thing I always say. It's not the food, it's you. It's, it's you. the conflict. The food can get tied to a biological conflict. So your body, you know, it remembers everything. And when you have a shock, you know, like think back to something that was particularly traumatizing to you in your life, you probably remember where you were sitting, the, the clothes you were wearing, mm-hmm. the music that was playing, like you, your body remembers because it was significant. And it takes a snapshot of all of these little elements and certain elements can get kind of filed under this potential danger is afoot. <laughs> when, when, when I eat this food, potential danger, and it reactivates the biological program. And so this is how we develop, you know, what we call allergies, what we call intolerances. It's because that food has been tied to, it's become a track. And so every single time we eat the food, the body remembers the original conflict, and then we, you know, uh, have the symptom as long as that conflict is tied to it. But the really cool thing and people are able to do this all the time. I've done it with foods where you turn off the track, where you you know go back to that moment, you remember why it was conflictive, mm-hmm. you realize I can't be in that same danger anymore. I'm different now. I you know what happened to me then can't happen to me anymore. And you can turn off the track and be able to eat freely again, which is so exciting and so freeing. Wow. Where I've encountered people who were they could only eat like six foods because they, you know, eliminate, eliminate, oh, this causes a problem, that causes a problem. And they think that they can only eat six foods when, you know, essentially they are just kind of backing themselves into a corner of um, restriction where what we need is to get to the original conflict, resolve that, make peace with whatever it was so that your body knows, oh, I'm safe. This food isn't a danger. I'm not under threat any any longer. This is this is okay to eat, which is a, a really cool thing that people can get free from. And and it, is it that simple? It may not may not be totally simple to get there. But once you get there, and you actually tell yourself very honestly and clearly that I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm over that. I, you know, I realize that, but I'm done. It's that powerful. 
that powerful, which then on the flip side of that, we can then see when we give ourselves a hard time or if we are afraid of a germ, just the thought, you know, I don't know that COVID thing. I, you know, boom, we're, we're weakened in that position. That's amazing. Yeah, just that fear, you yeah. know, just that. And I, and I, you know, I know what it's like to be in that fear. I used to fear germs. I used to, hmm. you know, have ideas in my mind of, oh, you know, this, I touched the chicken and then I touched, you know, the, the doorknob and then, oh, no, and now there's bacteria everywhere and I'm going to get sick. And it's just that idea. Oh, I feel sick. I, you, when you are fearing something, you are putting yourself in the state of vulnerability to conflict, and you can develop the conflict that you're fearing. You know, so a territorial fear—that's the interesting thing about you know the whole COVID idea hmm. and uh, adaptations within the bronchial mucosa. It's any type of threat in my territory. If I feel threatened, if I feel afraid of a person, whether they're, you know, I'm afraid of a person not wearing a mask, I'm afraid of a person wearing a mask, I'm feeling threatened in my territory in some way. Um, I had um, someone I know recently, once the, the mask mandate went away, they felt so much better. You know, they felt threatened because they were constantly surrounded by people who, you know, clearly were living in fear and wearing the mask. And it was kind of a representation of, um, you know, all of this fear that's just surrounding them. And then once the mask um, mandate went away on airplanes, oh, they were, they were relieved and they developed symptoms, you know, and it's like, it always makes sense. Whatever it is that you're fearing, it doesn't matter how subtle and doesn't matter how conscious you are of it. You know, because a lot of times people are like, I'm not afraid. Oh, that's, oh, that's silly. That, that's not going on. If you, if that's your first reaction is, oh, no, that's ridiculous. That, that's not going on with me. I'm not afraid. I'm big and strong. <laughs> you know, I suggest that you look a little deeper. You know, really, this, this work I find really does take kind of intensive self-study and radical honesty and radical responsibility. You know, a willingness to see something about yourself, your psyche, your reality actions, your responses, you know, that reveals how you're really feeling deep down. Because so many people have, oh, you know, been told you can't feel that or you've got no reason to feel this way. And so they, they really do suppress, you know, how they really feel because it doesn't feel safe. And we, we often have to peel back that layer, allow yourself to see how are you actually feeling? You know, it's putting on a brave face, but feeling scared inside, the body doesn't care about the face you're trying to, it cares about how you feel inside. You feel inside. And it's always going to be responding to that deep down feeling that you have. Yeah. So it's a real spiritual stuff, right? It's the real deal. This is squeaky clean, right? How you really feel uh, deep down. Here's an email for you. Can you please uh, ask Melissa what to do when someone is in extreme pain? I have two friends that are going through a conscious cancer journey but they are both in extreme pain. Wow. Yeah, and so so pain, one of the things you can do to help mitigate the pain, because one of the reasons that the pain gets so intense is because of the swelling. You know, so, so there's swelling often, you know, I don't know the specifics of this situation. Bone pain tends to be very intense when it has, when there's stretching of the periosteum, and that, that's the, the layer that surrounds the bones. And so when that stretches, the pain is just, it's intense. Um, and so something you can do to help mitigate, so when you're in the healing phase and you're in a lot of pain, a little bit. Um, so remember, like I said, when you take an antibiotic or chemo, it puts the body back into kind of a sympathetic activity. What you can do is have some have some black tea or some coffee during the healing phase to help to put you a little bit back into the sympathetic phase, just to kind of take the edge off. You know, and even painkillers huh. aren't 
verboten. Like you can still use certain painkillers. You want to avoid like really, really strong ones. But, you know, over the counter painkillers can help you to at least get through some of the healing phase. Um, you know, there are herbal things that a lot of people use. So pain management is one of those things that is, you know, you don't want to take it too far. You don't want to, you know, completely numb out because the pain going through the pain, it's kind of like birth in a sense, you know, like it's an experience and our often it's our resistance to the sensation of pain that creates the suffering because pain is just pain, but suffering is being in pain and telling yourself this shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. And so when you resist against the pain, it intensifies. intensifies. So I really suggest when people are in like eight, nine, 10 out of 10 pain, you kind of have to go to a different place psychically um, and start observing it and experiencing it in a new light. And even just that and breath work can greatly, greatly reduce the intensity of the pain when you know that this has, you know, I was in conflict for this long, this pain is going to, you know, it's not going to last forever, but it is going to persist for a little while. And, you know, meeting it anew each day and changing your relationship to it can go a long way in mitigating and bringing it down. Yeah, very well. Uh, uh, this is Ron. Good morning. Uh, um, a GNM question for Dr. Sell. What is GNM meaning of swelling in the ankles and feet? My 80-year-old mom has this, and uh, it's quite painful for her. Okay. Mm. Okay, so there, there's a couple of things there. One, we'd want to look potentially at there are some heart conflicts that can lead to, you know, um, swelling in the ankles. But um, the, the first place to look is at water retention. So water retention occurs when we hold on to water due to an isolation, abandonment, refugee or existence conflict hmm. you know with the ankles we want to look if she's feeling stuck if she's having a physical performance self-devaluation let's say she can't get up as much as she used to or she's feeling you know stuck in her life um a ball and chain type of conflict so wherever there's healing um so if her ankles are in healing and she's retaining water that water is all going to go to the ankles and so you'll experience that major swelling in the ankles due to a combination of self-devaluation, ball and chain, feeling stuck, and also this isolation where you're holding on to water. So in a, in a situation like this, we don't, we're don't we not speaking about this person exactly, but just in general, someone who's stuck in all that, an 80-year-old mom, she might feel stuck, right? Just can't go out much, or maybe depends on what else she's got going. What kind of a, what kind of a, state of consciousness or decision would she want to try to come to to resolve that? What would she have to, what kind of place would she have to get to spiritually for that? Well, looking at the, you know, what is it really about? You know, it's often just talking about, you know, the, the stuck feeling. Because again, when you're isolated in it, that's a big um, element of something that causes you to feel conflicted. If you feel all alone in your problem, if you feel like I, I there's no one that can help me, there's nothing I can do, often just talking about it and voicing it, getting mm -hmm. it out of the dark subconscious of this feeling that I'm just, you know, harboring and getting it out and, and talking about it. Why do I feel this way? Oh, well, my, my kids live out of state and I haven't seen them in the lockdowns and I haven't been able to go to my community gatherings. And it's like, you know, talk about it. Um, bring bring some life and some levity into these spaces. Look at the resistance. Again, in order for there to be conflict, there's got to be a part of you that's saying, this is wrong, this is bad, this shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. And you feel all alone and isolated. And so again, 
like your body feels like a fish out of water. So you hold on to that water and then it goes to your ankles or it goes to whatever area is in healing. And so um, in order to like, where do you feel the most comfortable? When do you feel like a fish in water? When do you feel, you know, comfortable and surrounded? And obviously if there's physical limitations, again, if a person is um, in a hospital that they often experience abandonment, isolation conflicts, if they're in a home, you know, and, and that person being able to look at where they are and how they're feeling and try to find solutions, being solution oriented and open to practical physical solutions. Maybe you have to get outside your comfort zone and go meet some new people. If all your friends have passed away or moved away, you know, yeah. you may have to take that practical step, or you may have to just alter the way that you're perceiving this sense of isolation and notice that it's a story that I keep telling myself, I'm alone, I'm alone, everyone's gone, everyone's gone. It's almost like we hypnotize ourselves by reminding ourselves constantly, there's no one here for me, everybody's left. Oh, you don't they love me? Oh, I'm a fish out of water. It's like we do have to continually remind ourselves of the conflict. And so you have to become aware of how exactly you're doing that and take very practical, physical, real life steps, and then also internal mental emotional spiritual steps to um to resolve and bring this to a place where you don't feel as isolated and you don't feel as alone in your problems how about melissa cell just um not diseases but just different issues or challenges that we all have from time to time maybe a stagnant liver or a gallbladder or colon that's not happy where they're not disease you know they're just People, you know, the natural folks are always taking stuff for this or that. Is this just energy down there of a conflict that that hasn't been resolved and is just not it's just not long enough or strong enough to be like liver cancer or hepatitis or it's just kind of clogged up in there. But it's the same principle to work on it. Yep, it's same it's thing. kind of a sliding scale again so if you are frequently experiencing you know stagnation or if you have on and off constipation or on right. and off diarrhea where it's not like you're not you don't have a diagnosed condition but you do experience it from time to time what that means is you're having conflict from time to time and the body is adapting um in turn time to time when you experience these things and so if you're you know having constipation there's something that's stuck there's an indigestible morsel that can't move forward there's a sense of stuckness and while you're in that state there is um lo localized um uh, stopping there's a big squeeze in one area of the colon and then there's par paralysis in the rest of it to help you to move the body is trying to help you to move this morsel along um, you know with the the gallbladder we're looking at a territorial anger or an identity conflict um, liver also can be territorial anger identity and it's like who are you mad at at work at home <laughs> what what's getting what gets you angry are you is your mother-in-law stepping on your toes are you feeling out of place in life are you you know not sure what to do with yourself you're you know you lost a job or you're transitioning you're out of school and you're you're not sure what your place is you know they all there's always a meaning and a each meaning. organ has you know some function that it's serving in order to help you and if you're experiencing oh stagnation or sluggishness or fatigue there's there's something for you to learn about yourself and about your experience that can help you get to the bottom of it so let's stay with mr liver for a moment so uh one of the classics herbs and we have oils to milk thistle that you could take for the liver so say you take that and you start to feel a little bit better does that help just help the the liver to clear out some of the the conflict or the the kind of clogged up energy but it's going to 
you you use your words. Can you really, could you get rid of it totally with just a milk thistle if you never get rid of the the liver conflict? No. So the no. the, no. the supplement Good for helps you. to support no. the tissue. <laughs> <laughs> the supplement helps to support the tissue, support right. the body. But if the conflict persists, the you know no supplement can resolve can a change. conflict. It's not going to do it. Yeah. Wow. If you happen to improve in your symptoms as you're taking the milk thistle you are probably in the healing phase anyways you know that's that's why a lot of holistic remedies and all you know um conventional remedies they oh they they cured this they healed this it's like it was healing anyways and you just took it (laughs) and then you attributed taking it to what was happening was a natural healing process your body was going through anyways um and so a supplement cannot resolve a conflict you know unless you have like this, um, you know, again, it, it has to, you have to resolve it on the plane of what was the conflict. And you may do that outside of your conscious awareness. Cause we're, again, we're constantly having conflicts and resolving conflicts just all, in our life all the, all time. the time. right? And yeah. so, you know, if we're not paying attention to it, it's very easy to overlook it because people very, they overlook, we overlook consciousness. We overlook our reactions. We overlook, you know, how we're feeling because we're a fish in water. We're just in it all the time. And we're like, oh, this couldn't be causing it. It's the food. We like to look at physical things. Yeah. We like to look at the, the physical food caused my problem. The supplement fixed me. Oh, this physical germ caused my problem. And this physical antibiotic fixed me. We, we, it's so easy to look outside back here you know back in our consciousness back in, in and then in the subconscious that's harder to look at that's harder to quantify that's why science doesn't look at it that's why science overlooks it because it's non-material <laughs> and we live in a materialistic model where we have to look at okay this material that material and that's where even the holistic people more you know you're you're kind of a materialist if you mm-hmm. think that this and that if i cleanse this and i fix that and i take this that's going to fix me that's materialism but but it could it could kind of help people feel a little bit better for a bit, right? A little more energy, some of this stuff, right? And then they can maybe think it through, right? Yes, and yeah. so, and I everything about a holistic lifestyle and doing things intentionally. Sure. Because when I was working in um, the chiropractic kind of holistic health, you know, teacher, I would you know recommend nutrition and supplements, and sure. but it was a person and people would get well in that model of coming in and getting adjusted and doing the exercises and all the stuff that I recommended people would get better but I found that it was because they're they're making an intentional choice to to live healthfully and that often indicates a resolution of self-devaluation you know I'm doing something for myself I'm um, I'm changing my attitude Mm -hmm. I'm changing deeper things about myself than simply the bits of things of information I'm putting in my mouth and these stuff it's not just again it's not that just the physical material stuff there's the spiritual energetic emotional shift which often I find must have resolved conflicts for people just by coming into this new supportive world you know and reframing symptoms is also also very helpful which I find that holistic health does help a person you know at least start, start to trust their body trust the fever even if they're trying to do things with supplements to to mitigate or counteract certain functions of the body there is it's a much more empowering model and it's that empowerment that can resolve tons of conflicts because you know feeling strong and efficacious in your in your life and in your experience makes you feel as though oh there's something I can do I'm not helpless I'm not isolated yeah Finally, uh, Kevin writes, so antibacterial herbs aren't killing bacteria? 
bacteria? Well, see, that's interesting, actually. I'll have to look into that. I just recently okay. watched a lecture where they were talking about the antibiotics. Now, I, I don't know. I guess the, the herbs may also act on the brain as well, I but could. I would have to look into that further to, to determine for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, lots of unknowns here. So it is now uh, becoming to Germanic healing knowledge. And you guys are going to do something that will be fun for everybody. If they're interested in your work on the 17th, uh, uh, be next Tuesday, right? Next Tuesday. And you're going to give us a website for that. You're going to send it to me, and then we'll put it on our, our little show page here. Yes, well, yes, you're dear, and yeah. you're always <laughs> welcome here. I just love talking about this. It's just great. Uh, tell folks about your website and how they might uh, get in cut touch with you. If they want to have a little session. Yep, you can find me at drmelissacell.com. My YouTube channel is a great place to start as well. Um, I'm on Telegram and Instagram. And yeah, definitely, there's also um, on my website, there's a link to a blog post. So if you're looking for, oh, where can I learn this? Go directly to the blog post. And it has a list of resources, of books, of courses you can take. Because um, I, I teach people this kind of the application. Like, what do I do about this? How can I transform my experience? That's what I specialize in, is in transformation of internal experience. Um, but as far as learning, like, the nuts and bolts and the science of GNM, I suggest uh, checking out that page to find those resources. One final thing quickly. I know you have to go. You have a, you have a client. Is that I'm really beginning to believe through my experience, Melissa, that uh, I spent 30 years observing my thoughts, and I don't think that's right. Um, I just don't think, I think I, every thought is a state of consciousness. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you at all? That, if you really think about that, that'll, that'll make your head explode, because, I mean, I came to the, because, if we were just observing a thought, right? Like most of us probably meditating, right? You're observing the mind. You wouldn't feel it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't feel fear or anxious from this anxious thought. You've got to be in it. It's got to be. To me, I think it's almost like a hologram. Like it's just one. Does that make sense to you? Yep, you got to be in it. You've got to be identified with that with that emotional You're state in, in order to experience it. And that's why so much of the work is kind of peeling yourself away. Who are you really? Are you that anxiety? Are you that fear? Are you that worry? Or are you something more? Are you something more? Well, we'll leave it at that and do something more next time. All right, my dear. Thank you. You take care of yourself. Bye, Patrick. Bye-bye. It's always a pleasure. May the blessings be. And uh, that is uh, Melissa Sell. She's cool, huh? Yeah, I tell you, this is the real deal. Um, I just, there's no doubt, my nose is itching in my mind after doing the work that I have the last, oh, 20, 30 years that, um, she, there, this is on it. Um, I get emails all the time about cancer. Uh, God love you, all the time. And now what I do is I send them right to her. I think that'd be the thing to go if you've got some stuff going on in your life called cancer and really get to the bottom of it. Very powerful. All right, kids, I will see you tomorrow. I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'll be here at 10 o'clock either way. But uh, we may have uh, um, Martin Armstrong, and uh, I think he's going to come on. But we'll do something. So I will see you real soon. Thank you for your ongoing support. Let me know if uh, I can help you with any of the products or 
stuff like that that they have questions, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay, have a good day. See you Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock. May the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.